welcome back to the Nullified Take channel here on YouTube, where we've got the TNT takes for you on Australian Survivor Heroes versus Villains, episode 21 and 22. That's right. I'm your host, Chris, and with me tonight is both of my co-hosts, Mucky and Kahuna. Mucky, love the color you're bringing to the podcast tonight, mate. Thank where did you, you get that shirt? Uh I've got no idea. I'm pretty sure it's like a Christmas or a birthday <laughs> or a birthday present years back. But you know, I should I'm have known that it. you wouldn't have had the taste to buy a stylish looking shirt like that for yourself. Mate, I kid you not. My shirt's either hand me downs <laughs> or or from Helen Stein's project. You know, no plug, but <laughs> King so, George, yeah, watch no. out. If Mucky ever gets on Survivor, he's gonna outshine him with the floral shirts that he's got, and the puppy shirt won't be the biggest thing out of there anymore. Exactly, exactly. There won't be a puppy shirt because I've got my fantastic Chewbacca <laughs> hoodie. I'm not joking. I've worn it every day since 2018, and I still have it. My my partner's mum um sewed it back together when one of the pockets was coming undone. Did you buy that was, one for yourself? Uh, no, Dad got it for me for. <laughs> 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 Kahuna, how are you doing, my friend? Very good, thank you. I've, I'm rocking the plain white tea today. As a, <laughs> so that's if we're doing fashion choices, you know, like the plain white tea is also always a classic, as opposed to a. I I, I could rock it. It, it. I think the look that I have, if I had a shirt like uh, Mucky, it's just like the typical Hawaiian. I think yeah. that's what Kahuna with a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> that's what it would be. So, yeah. This was not what I expected us to get into as we came <laughs> onto an Australian Survivor podcast to talk about clothing choices beforehand. But it's kind of on point because I'll guess tell you one what, good Mucky? Thing. Yeah, yeah Sorry, go ahead, Kahuna. One good thing about the shirts that we do wear is that if any one of you are rocking a Jerry-style nipple tattoo... We're not seeing it. And I'm very grateful for that. I don't need to see any more nipple tattoos on my screen. So I'm glad that you have shirts. I'm glad that you have apparel and we can all go nipple tattoo-less for the rest of <laughs> for as long yeah. as I can live, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, oh. it's actually quite timely that we talk about um, – I guess, clothing choices because there's a whole new list of castaways that are going to embark on Australian Survivor very soon. Mucky, you've been very excited this week because Australian Survivor is opening up casting back to the fans. Tell us I a little know. bit about uh, what do you think about this and uh, how are you applying for the show when you live in New Zealand? I've had some people <laughs> ask me that question. Uh, well, actually, um, so it's a part of the application process that it does say you need to list a state. But I still just put in my regular address and I just chucked in a random state because because <laughs> who really cares? Yeah. No, but um, yeah, no, it's really cool that they're opening it back up to the fans. I think I think 2017 season two is the last time we've actually had like a proper like like a proper like casting process and you know, fans actually getting on the show and stuff. So yeah, it should be quite an exciting season next time with like a lot more a lot more fans. Who knows? Maybe we'll see the next the next king george you know <laughs> yeah let's um say hello to everybody here in the live we've got chadud here saying hello to everyone um he is the greatest okay <laughs> uh you've got to go out there and prove it first you know i feel like king george would not agree with that uh gabe is saying finale we're coming soon can't wait um it's bittersweet for me gabe because i'm excited to see how the season is gonna end but then 
there's going to be no Australian Survivor after that. So that kind of makes me a little bit sad. It might be a whole year before we get more Australian Survivor. But luckily for everyone out there that have st- that have stumbled across this channel over the last year, I put it out to the ether and I said, you know, who wants to see more Australian Survivor off-season content? And about 78 or something percent of people said, yes, Chris. Don't focus on other shows. Give us more Australian Survivor season content in the off-season. So um, I'll be doing some more top five takes and potentially podcasts here and there about Australian Survivor. So looking forward to that. Uh, one of the things I want to get into in the off-season is I want to do live rewatch parties where we watch Australian Survivor from season one to the latest one. And I might stream it live on Twitch or Kick, wherever they allow me to do it. I know I'll definitely be able to do it on Kick. Twitch, I think I may get away with it, but we can watch it together and talk about some of the previous seasons together. So um, I'll try and figure out how we're going to do that. Danny, welcome all the way from Austria. Um, and Andre Lee, welcome to the live. Mark is saying, who knows, camera is a bit blurry. Camera is a little bit blurry. It's it's that Australian internet, man. I'm telling you. It's, it's getting better now, Kuna. So don't stress out. Okay. Um, the real orcs are saying, hashtag Jerry Strong. Yeah. Jerry Strong, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Harukawa saying player deep dives on the offseason could be cool. Yeah, I will definitely reach out to players. There's a few of them that I do have direct contact with, others that I don't. Um, the reason that I didn't do official interviews on this channel this season, because I'm pretty sure if I did ask, I have pretty good contacts with Channel 10 because of the Challenge Australia. I probably would have gotten it. The problem is, is that if you've got a full-time job, they expect you to do it at like middle of your day. Um, so it's very hard to do these exit interviews when you've got a job. That's why all the American shows have had exit interviews this season because it's in their evening by the time that they do it or early morning for them when they do these exit interviews so they can actually fit it around a full-time job. But um, I'll do my best to go around and collect some people if, they, if they're willing to talk because sometimes players, after they've done the official interviews, they're just not that interested in doing it afterwards. But I will definitely be jumping into deep dives even for previous seasons because I've got players from previous seasons that I'd love to get on. For instance, um, I've spoken to Christy before. I'd love to get her on after we watch Australian Survivor Season 1 again. So um, just keep an eye out for it. I've, I'm pretty sure we will have some some great exit press uh, coming here or deep dives in the near future. But let's get straight into this episode here. Uh, we start off on a very interesting note. Jerry and Nina have been cordoned off from the rest of the camp. They're now in survivor isolation, Kahuna. Uh, did this twist deliver for you seeing this episode play out with both Nina and a pistol of Jerry having to deal with each other for 24 hours uh, in this episode? Fascinating twist, the, the isolation. You know how we, we are big proponents of, of defending the producers and saying it's not rigged, they wouldn't change anything last minute? This is the one time I was like, they just put some sticks up in a circle <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, <laughs> that's the isolation. They weren't even like on a separate aisle. There was no separate thing set up. They're just like a little bit over there in these sticks and now you just stay there. So I was like, oh, maybe that was the first time I was like, what is production doing? But it did add a very interesting dynamic having Nina and Jerry there. Jerry said, you know, we didn't really get the chance to bond that much so far this season. So having to spend 24 hours together was pretty good. But you see George getting in with the, the crawling and trying to listen in and the little one-on-one interactions that they have the opportunity to have with some of the others back at camp as they come over in the morning and trying to get their little conversations in. It was fun. It was a really interesting thing to watch and and the potential downfall of George, I thought, coming up. So I was interesting how that played out. 
Yeah, it was interesting because it reminded me of the not Survivor Africa, the, you know, season where they yeah, had the, these cordoned the off camps to try and keep the lions and the hyenas out. But you know, over here they only had the likes of a George trying to get into their isolation camp the whole time because he was really nervous about what potentially could happen because he kind of changed the vote on the last minute there, Mucky, which, you know, this exposed them a little bit because in normal circumstances, Jerry would have been pretty safe. But due to this twist, Jerry was also in the, you know, out, out of the game. Um, and it put, I guess, George a little bit in the dog box at this point in the game, you know, because he changed this vote. Jerry ended up in isolation. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's okay, though, because George is his mentor. He's a sensei. He's his, he's his coach, his guarding angel, you know. Like, yeah, and, and it's an honor of respect, you know. If George threw my name around, I'd be like, you know what? I'm proud to have my name thrown around by George, you know what? And that just really just tightens our friendship even more, you know. It tightens our bond, our alliance, and it makes me want to go to the end even more with George. So I completely understand where Jerry's going. I feel like, as once again, Jerry is, you know, got his master key strategy going, you know, where everyone thinks he's a go. He's just going to pull a Christie at the end and somehow get all the votes. So no ways. I I, I can. <laughs> I am fairly confident. I'm fairly confident. I would put a hundred bucks on. Um, I, I happy happily put a hundred bucks out there to say there's no way Jerry win this season. I'd be shocked because it's not very often that I get so frustrated at an episode as I did of this episode when we got to the end and Jerry was basically just. You know, singing the praises of George, saying how great of a player George is, the fact that George has mentored him, has shown him how to get ahead in the game, you know, and he made this comparison to Simon going to the gym and having a coach for bodybuilding. And I'm like, the bodybuilding coach doesn't suddenly get his, you know, kid off and jump on the stage to compete with the person that he's coaching. What are you talking about, Kahuna? Yeah. Oh, man. Jerry's just like, uh, when I was watching, I go, why is he just like glazing him up so much, like kissing right up in George's butt? Like Jerry's just giving him all the praise in front of the jury as well, yeah. like that that play there as well. And then he he does that, and then when you know sort of asks further, like Simon calls him out for being poor and says, no no no, it's all equal. While five minutes before he was just saying how he's so amazing and George is the greatest and I want to learn from this genius that he may bless me. You know what it was? It was like George actually gave Jerry what Simon wanted from Sean. And yeah. <laughs> and to see the oh, we lost the, the relationship and see the difference. George actually did, you know, cater to Jerry's needs a little bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, back? we just lost you there for a second, but you're yeah, back. Yeah, so George did cater to Jerry's needs. George did cater to Jerry's needs, and it's proved out in absolute blind loyalty where he's singing his praises. Sean pushed Simon off a bit, and they're both out of the game. So it's interesting to see how he's fostered that loyalty to the point where it sounds like he's going to give him every – like, I think if Jerry did win, he would give the million to George. Like it's like it sounded like he's so enamored and thankful for George might deign him with his presence that yeah, yeah. and then tries to say no, it's all equal. Listen, I'm the leader too. I just want to add to this, like no matter how frustrated I was at Jerry in this moment, right? You've got to give all the credit to the person. Um, you know, Chadud gave us two dollars there. Thank you, Chadud. 
who was the survivor player of the week once again, the survivor player of the season, George. You know, obviously there is only one person who's really standing out and who's dominating the season. Um, you've got to give credit to that player, George, because he has made every single person in his alliance, Mucky, believe that they could go toe-to-toe with him at the end, and they could potentially still beat him at the end. I think Simon did a lot of damage to that argument by the end of this tribal council by continuing to say, you guys are all pawns, which wasn't great because maybe that pissed Jerry off to the point where he said, well, screw it, I'm going to defend George in this moment and vote with him. But George is doing a phenomenal game at just gaslighting the players around him into thinking that they have a chance against them at the end, where Jerry even thinks that he's running the ship with George. (laughs) I mean, he is, you know, it's um, it's a mixture of Jerry's, like, threat level management. You know, we talked about some players, you know, their threat level's just all over the place. You know, it's like, how can you miss it? But Jerry, he keeps putting this, all of his threat level onto George, and he's just smooth sailing all the way. But um, now, but to answer your question seriously, it's phenomenal gameplay by mm. George. And, you know, I've been talking about with a few other people on what can Simon and Nina do in this position? Because... You can like stroke their egos on, oh, you're playing a great game, but do you know, like, what can actually resonate by taking out George? You could do that, but then they feel more confident in their games. But when you call them out as pawns, that's really like the only other thing you can do to try and flip them. And unfortunately, there's not much Simon and Nina can do in this position because George does have everyone wrapped around him so well. I think, I think the one thing that, again, I love about Simon and and somebody on the channel this week said I lost my favorite player and they lost their favorite player because Nina was their favorite player and I thought about it I was like is Simon my favorite player because George was my favorite player coming into the season (laughs) but I feel like Simon did kind of become my favorite player this season I loved him stumbling his way towards the end Uh, I love the passion that he has for the show and the fact that when he experiences joy, it is at another level. When he experiences sadness, it is at another level. When he tries to convince people to come and vote with him, it is at another level because he just, I don't think he's got the subtlety in his game of saying, mate, I don't want you to be a pawn. I don't want people to perceive you as a pawn. So this is why you want to make the move because otherwise you may be perceived. He's like, no, you are a pawn, which is very different, Gona. It's a bit more aggressive in the way that he was trying to convince them. And I feel like he just lacked a little bit of that subtleness that you would expect from a truly great game player. I mean, he also said that off the back of calling George, saying that George has played the greatest game of Survivor he's ever seen. So he's he's yeah. adding to the the legend that is George, um, and I guess it, I think I wonder if he's doing that thing where it's like, say you're in a, a knockout tournament, for example, and if you lose to someone, it makes you feel that little bit better if they go ahead and win, and you're like, well, I lost to the champion, like you know, who knows? We could have been second best kind of along the way. So I wonder if Simon's like bigging up George a little bit because he went toe to toe with him and lost so much. He has to build up like I lost to George, who's the greatest like game of Survivor I've ever seen. That's why I lost. Not necessarily for the sake of pumping up George, which he's doing, but to build himself up a little bit. I do love Simon. I think he is the absolute lovable loser. Like you, you don't mm-hmm. often see someone become such a fan favorite over the course of the season while perpetually failing at everything he does along the way. I've never seen that. And it never. And it speaks to I guess how great his personality is and how really wonderful he is as a, as a survivor character yeah. and TV personality to have him win hearts while also losing everything else. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because he, he took me on this roller coaster where in the beginning of the season, I was like, 
I can't stand this guy, you know, attacking George's legacy in the game. And I was like anti-Simon early on. And I think a lot of people online were not not like on a personal note, but in the game, I just wasn't happy with him. And then he kind of turned that around. And definitely by the end of it, I saw a lot of people very sad when he left. I think he was a lot of people's second or third favorite to win the season. We know the jury absolutely loved him. So if he did make it to the end, he would have had a really good chance if he didn't sit next to George at the end because he was the only person who tried to put up a resistance consistently against them. Uh, I want to bring up a few of the comments here. Um, we'll start up with Chadu's $2 uh, donation there. Thank you so much, Chadu. He asks... Chris, Maki, and Kahuna, who are your winner picks at this point in the game? There's four players left going into the finale week, obviously. So out of those four, I've been pretty adamant, and some people are telling or saying I'm being too bullish in my prediction. I can't help but see it this way. I don't think George is going to win. I think we should brace ourselves for a disappointing ending here and not getting the best player win the season. Uh, I, I think Liz is probably going to win at this stage. I feel like um, I've seen enough from her to pose a resistance to what George has said. You know, she's got her own voice, her own opinion, which is being highlighted by the edit. It's sometimes been wrong, but at least she's not a puppet. I don't think she is as much of a pawn to George as Matt and Jerry is at this stage. And I feel like Matt or Jerry are both just getting a really negative edit at this stage. So uh, the worst case scenario for us is to see Matt and Jerry in a finale together. It would be one of the worst outcomes that we've seen in a season in a very, very long time, Maki. So, therefore, I'm putting it out there into the universe. Please let it be Liz if it's not George. Who do you think, uh, Maki? You know, i gotta, I got to back my boy Jerry. I, I really do. You know, but, but hear me out on this, right? Hear me out on this, though, right? He Like, you know, people kind of see him as a pawn, right? He's kind of been the number two for George for quite a long time. You know, like he's helped George make like massive moves and he's been with george like the entire way through and he's also got the heartfelt emotional story of you know his his business in, in fraser island you know like potentially being shut down because of COVID. he's got that heartfelt story you know he's played a a game um, <laughs> you know he's, he's played a game but it's like he's done it with george you know he's like learned from the best you know from george he's made all the moves with George, and no need to keep throwing it at my face, Chris. I have. <laughs> hey, it's not me. It's not me. It's the audience <laughs> who are telling you that it's not happening. Okay, don't, don't, don't throw any shots my way. Haters are gonna hate. I'm sorry, but uh, it's, it's the truth. You know, it's my truth that Jerry is gonna win unanimously this season. Yeah, Zach says he thinks that Matt will win, Kahuna. But Kahuna, who's your who's your picks? Um, I'm I'm secretly holding out hope that they go to a final three and George sneaks in and then just dunks on everyone in the final travel. Um, but I mean that would require another non-elimination or perhaps a final episode without a challenge. Oh, so no, I think it's going to go final two. And I, I, I I'm the same as you, Chris. I would hope that it's Liz. She has shown a lot of agency and her, and being her own character. Chadwick said she didn't really get many confessionals. She's not getting any confessionals. But the thing about Liz is she's very, very present outside of confessionals. She's getting so much, like, um, screen time, like, and and just really cool moments where she, like, licks a machete in the, the coldest way you've ever seen. Like, she's telling George, don't be soft. Jerry's making you soft. You go. So she's taking these swings, and she's trying really hard. She even 
I think to me it felt a little bit too obvious and forced, but the George, you know, he's like my brother kind of thing, <laughs> like building that relationship because she sees how close George is to Jerry. So so Liz is taking shots and she's taking swings. She tried to go with Nina against Matt. She sees the path there for her and Matt was blocking that. So she wanted to have a go. I do hope that she wins. And I called it weeks ago that uh, she may, if she can take out all the all the veterans and stuff, um, it would be a huge win. But I, I do hope it's Liz because Jerry has zero shot. <laughs> Jerry, can, I, I, I think Jerry I think will talk himself Liz... out of it. Yeah, I, I think Jerry so. I think, will get up you know, and say he's the he's the smartest. He ran everything, and and all the jury just will see straight through it and go. Matt can say nothing, but we know you didn't do what you're saying, Jerry, and we're not going to give it to you because of that. Yeah, Nina called him out in that last tribal council, and to her own detriment, you know, didn't help her in the game, but <laughs> yeah. she can't help but be honest in that moment saying hey i'm looking at the people who's hustling and walking to gather votes and working across tribal alliances to get things moving their way uh not the person who's sitting back at camp looking after the fire uh making sure everybody's warm at night and all that you know and then just come in at the last minute to say yes i'm happy with that vote you know that that's not putting in the work that's just saying you're happy to throw your vote and your number behind that plan but i do want to bring up a couple of the comments here danny is saying simon has definitely won me over too i wish he had gotten out at that tribal council where he he won the surprise immunity, but he won me over by the end with his positive attitude and not giving up. Um, earlier in the life, I had someone say that the twist screwed Simon. I actually believe the twist kind of helped Simon a little bit because, you know, going into this round, he only had to beat three people in the immunity challenge. And he just so happened to lose out against Matt in a challenge that I thought was very well in his wheelhouse, something that he is good at when it comes to being patient and balancing doing the dominoes. Matt just beat him by by mere seconds. And that was the difference between him staying and going home. So I don't feel like it necessarily hurt him as much in the game. I do think strategically it did put George in a very bad spot. So, you know, when we're talking about a twist, a non-elimination twist, helping the biggest players, I feel felt like it actually hurt George in this game at this point. And I think production would love for George to somehow get to the end. Uh, one of the things that we have not seen yet is a puzzle in the immunity challenges since they've, I mean, I know it's like, you know, trying to get water from a rock when you ask the Australian survivor production team to bring a puzzle in, but Mucky George did mention, why don't we get a puzzle? And they showed it in the edit for one of these immunity challenges. What do you think the chance are that we get it in the next two rounds? And that that could be the thing that helps George gets to the end. when all of us think he's out. There's no way for him to get there. I mean, I don't know. It's very interesting because there's been no confirmation on if this is a final two or a final three, you know? And it's like, if we are thinking about another non-elimination for a final three, there could be like a juror removal, perhaps. You know, that could still be a non-elimination twist they still could potentially do. But I think if um, I think if it is like a final three, the final challenge could be some like large large puzzle and that's why they keep showing it maybe that's the challenge that george wins that guarantees him into the final three or something i'm not too sure but yeah mm. i feel like there's definitely something building up building up to that maybe the next challenge is like a giant puzzle yeah I almost feel like Australian Survivor has never changed their recipe and they love what they do, which is, is always an endurance challenge. Like in Survivor US, you get the fire-making challenge before you get to the finals. In Australian Survivor, guess what? You're getting more endurance challenge and you have to show us how much you wanted to get into the end. So I feel like George playing Australian Survivor 
sadly, his first season was probably his best shot at winning, getting to the final. I almost don't think he'll ever get to a final again because no one will want to take the risk to sit, sit next to a player such as George because any season that he goes deep, he's running it you know, strategically. So you're not going to want to sit next to him at the end. The only chance he probably has is to work on his fire-making skills and go over and play in the US version of the show where there is more puzzles. But Kahuna, have we actually seen George win an individual puzzle? Because I feel like his first season, the puzzles that he did good with was with Wei as his partner. And mm. Wei is an absolute genius. It was more Wei running those puzzles than George. And we've seen this season early on, at least when he had the clash with uh, Steve, he jumped into a puzzle and didn't do very well as well, actually. So I don't know. Like, I've also heard a theory that perhaps George might be um, giving off the impression that he's not as good at challenges as he, he, he might actually be in real life. And I, I heard that conspiracy theory and smiled and thought wow. there's no chance. But the long con, I did think the long con, yeah, he I was, does I, get on to the US. And then suddenly well, he becomes he, a beast. Not over multiple seasons, but he did say at the start of this season that he's not the same physical competitor that he was in Brains versus Braun. He's been going to the gym twice a day. And we saw when it did start, he was throwing himself pretty hard into challenges, wanting to establish, and then has really took his foot off almost to a comical point, like just not even really respecting one of the challenges that much. And because he's never really been in danger, he just doesn't throw himself that at, at it unless of course there's kfc involved and then all of a sudden he wins right so maybe there's a chance he's like saving himself for that final challenge and and hiding that people will bring him all because we've said for a long time that people will bring him through knowing that he can't win and then can cut him at the last chance so maybe he's like you know 4d chess and all that sort of thing there's levels to it all the all the memes you want to throw at it yeah. Whether it's Jerry, Rogue, Stevie playing everything <laughs> differently, Mucky, maybe George has been doing it the entire time. He's leading people into a false sense of confidence, and then he's going to be a physical beast when it counts. I'm doing my I'm doing my I, 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 would, I would love either one of these two things to happen, right? I would love for, for a twist ending where George wins the season. But then the final scene is just Simon waking up from a bad dream as he's just about to go back out on the island. Or or George just completely dominates the endurance challenge. And we just get a major flashback of every time he specifically had thrown a challenge to hide <laughs> to hide his abilities. I feel like either one of those endings would be would That'd be, be amazing. You get the full Kaiser Soze montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan drops his cup. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, I, I do want to address this comment a little bit further. So Shauna mentions or say, asks, do you think there is any way George makes the final two? I don't see it happening unless George wins his way to the end. I think Jerry, maybe if Matt gets taken out and Jerry wins something, he would be more loyal to George than what he is to Liz. So maybe that's a potential option. But I kind of feel like both Matt and Liz would cut george at this stage and i think if matt and jerry and georgia and the final three together jerry stays loyal to matt uh, so george has got no one is my whole point at this point no one wants to really sit next to him maybe jerry if matt's not in the game and that seems like too small of a chance for things to fall in place and jerry to beat liz and an endurance challenge at the end to then choose for George to go and sit next to him at the final two. And I think that we saw that scene with Nina as she was leaving, saying to Liz, 
just don't sit next to him as something that is going to come back because Liz has mentioned in this episode that you need to cut out your emotions. You need to make the best strategic choice to be able to go to the end and win this game. And I think that is going to be her cutting George, who I do think she does see like a brother. She is close to him. Obviously, she's pissed off about the fact that he voted out Shawnee and she hasn't taken revenge. But I do think she understands that it's a game move. And I think we're starting to see George lose a bit of his superpower because sometimes when you go out there and you play the game and you lose it, you want to correct or adjust your game coming back so you don't make the same mistakes. But Kahuna, he's starting to show weakness because he was a robot in the first season and for most of the first half of the season, making cold and calculated decisions. Cutting someone like Shawnee, who he was so close to in the game, couldn't have been easy. Cutting Haley, who he's a friend with in the game, couldn't have been easy. But now, suddenly, Jerry is the person who's making him doubt his decisions and wanting to be the emotionally aware George going into the end is this shift in George, this kind of vulnerability that he's showing. Is that the thing that's ultimately going to cost him the game here? Um, we, we've we're both pretty adamant that he doesn't have a, a good, clear path to the final two, and I think he's making a decision that keeping Jerry on side is potentially the only path. Like you said, that Jerry out of the four, or out of the three, would be the only one that picks him. Um, I think by if he if somehow Liz can get uh, immunity, Matt becomes vulnerable. He would try to take out Matt, so then he's got Liz and Jerry isolated. You're right. I think Liz is smart enough to choose Jerry, but that's still the best option to have two isolated where he's in the middle, and and both of them would feel some sort of inclination or loyalty to choose him. So I do think he's making the right decision. It's just so slim to make someone would actually choose him. So. I don't know if he's making the wrong choices or getting weak. It could be to me. I but see that as Sonya. an improvement. Well, I should see he, it as an improvement he... in his game. Yeah, I was just going to put it out there because Simon offered him a potential to go to the end, right? And he was very taken aback by it. He's like, how dare this guy come to me? He's got no power in the game. And he's offering me a final two. But, you know, Simon could win challenges. And if Simon stayed true to that, you know... I think he beats Simon unless Simon is he's just he doesn't he didn't want to be beaten I guess that's the pride thing imagine Simon cutting him in the final 3 uh, it's a yeah. tough spot yeah he definitely would have cut him there's no way he's Haley screwed him I'm calling it Haley screwed him <laughs> if Haley just stayed true to him throughout the season he would have had yeah. the ticket to the end yeah. Sorry, I was interrupting your train of thought. You, you were going to say right. about his emotional awareness and 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 how he's approaching this game wanting to be more likable yeah. so he could get more votes at the end and I do think that that was part of it. He has being able to be personable and, and build relationships has helped him get to this point when he should have been taken out so many times. He's been protected um, by a very close-knit group for a long time. And you, you mentioned that he was a robot in Brains vs. Brawn. Another movie reference, Mucky will love this one. Terminator versus T2, right? <laughs> he starts looking after John Connor, starts developing emotions, you know, it's a much better movie. He's no longer the bad guy. He becomes the hero that everyone loves and actually, say, you know, sacrifices himself in the end. And maybe he's not going to win. But George has connected with people and not necessarily cut their throats. But at least been – even there's been times when he has had to do that, which, like with Shani, he said to Liz and, and basically talked her through it after the fact and, and really has done a good job of when he's had to stab someone in the back. 
managing it after the fact as well and keeping it. I couldn't believe that Liz fell back into the fold. I couldn't believe like that Jerry fell back into the fold after he, he literally just went to isolation. And all of these things speak to the skill that George is weaving these relationships with. And when you say, is it going to be his downfall? I mean, his downfall should have been week one, right? Episode one, he should have been gone. And the reason why he's gotten to this point is because he changed his game and is building those relationships very, very strongly and very, very deeply. Hmm. And it's also something that I have seen this season translate to the audience because when the first season happened and George went to the end and he lost, I felt like he was a lot more polarizing and a lot of people didn't like George all that much, even afterwards. It's hard to believe because I thought he was entertaining even in that season. And a lot of people weren't as high on him, but now I see definitely that it swung a lot more in favor of George. And there is a lot more audience members now, viewers, casual viewers that really appreciate what George has brought to this season. And I think he's getting the respect he probably deserved even in his first season out there. Uh, I want to bring up a couple of the comments here in the live. Gabe asks, if Matt decides to cut George prematurely at four and not Liz, does he take that credit or is it a little too late for the jury to respect? And I think this whole idea of making a move too late in the game is bollocks. Now, I, don't, I know production doesn't want to hear that. Production wants you to always make the move early and play the hand more aggressively but i think you can still cut george in the final four or final three and take credit for it it's all in the way that you deliver your presentation to the jury at the end of it you know we could just look at christie's first season where she told people about the game she played that no one saw out there but she saw that game and they were impressed by the way that she articulated her moves and what she did until the end. You look at a season in the U.S. like Marianne cutting Omar very deep in the season and that move being the single catalyst that puts her on a traje trajectory to win that season. And it happens over and over again. I'm sure we can point back to other instances that that's happened in the past. So I, I think that as long as you can articulate that your game plan was to ride George's co coattails, and use him as a shield in front of you because people were always focusing on him before you and you knew that you could win that final immunity. You had confidence that you could cut him at the end. I think you can still claim that move. Hey, Maki. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a question I do want to ask you guys is that did George make the right decision? Because I think that... Cutting you know, Nina? Decision, yeah, cutting Nina instead of Matt. Because I think if it's a final three, it was a good move. But I think if it was a final two... It was a bad move because they're now at a a two two now when it could have been like a two one one of George and Liz. What do you guys think? Do you think it was a good move to cut Nina instead of Matt? Or yeah, it's a it's a good point. The thing is, you've got to hope that Matt, I'm oh, sorry, Jerry is capable of winning an immunity at the end to take you with. But he knows Jerry is his best option most likely he's articulated that he doesn't trust matt because matt hasn't let him in on some of the info that has leaked its way to matt in the game about the 60k so there is an argument to be made for nina to be in the game but i also think nina is the biggest threat to win the money at the end outside of himself yeah. because all of her friends sit on the jury and i think that is the reason he didn't want to work with her because he lost it due to the reason that the person he went up against in the previous season was more loved by the jury and i understand yeah. his decision-making and his thought process because Nina is more than capable of winning her way to the end. She's shown she can win immunities. You know, Liz probably is going to win. I think his blind spot in the game currently is that he doesn't understand that Liz is willing to cut him. I think yeah. he thinks he's got Liz snowed and that Liz will drag him to the end no matter what. 
And I think that is what's going to get him out at this late stage in the game. Um, let's have a look at a few more of the comments here that is coming up. A loyal is saying if George is in the final, all jury votes could be his with how good of a narrator he is. I, I agree. I think a lot of people would vote for him. I think there may be still one or two people that will be a bit hurt by his gameplay. Sam may be one of those people, but I think he would definitely win in most scenarios if he went to the end. Will is asking or saying all returning players would have been better option for this season, in my opinion. The merch would have played out more cutthroat instead of just George playing the game with three newbies. I agree. I, I went on a bit of a rant after Jerry um, confessed his admiration for George in that episode. And I said, this is why I don't want recruits to be on the show anymore for Australian Survivor. And especially recruits that are already famous like he's not really that famous but again i just didn't feel like he applied for the show maybe he did but yeah when you've got a fan come onto the show like matt mucky he's the exact polar opposite of someone like you how frustrating is it when you see a fan somebody that's watched the show for so long but he's unwilling to make moves because i know if you go out there mucky you're going to be playing one thing i will say you're going to be playing from day one you're going to be playing let's not talk out loud God, it's trying to be first bird or something. No, no listen, um, if, if there's anybody in the live or listening to this that doubted that Mucky would be someone that would throw everything oh at the gosh. wall from day one and be oh, the Zayn Knight of Australian Survivor, then I don't know what they've been listening to <laughs> for the whole season. Just wait, you know, the time I got in play, everyone in this live stream is going to be playing too. They'll be like, well, Chris did say he'd be playing hard from the start. <laughs> no, no um, I think it's, it's quite interesting, you know, this whole idea of, recruits versus fans you know because the sort of problem i've personally been having in american survivors that there aren't any enough characters you know there aren't really um like it's all just super fans you know strategic masterminds but no real characters sort of root for and that's why i personally love cody very much in season 43 because he was just this amazing fun character who wasn't like a grade a genius on strategy you know he was just someone fun to watch and i think in a cast, you've got to have a strong mixture of some recruits and some fans. I don't think the balance is a bit uneven when it comes to these seasons because they do heavily rely on more recruits than fans. But I do think, yeah, you've got to have like a bit of a mix. Otherwise, it's just grade A strategy the whole time. You know, I think you've got to have some grade A strategy, but also some pawns as well, like Jerry, like Tarzan, for example. You know, it's a shock he wasn't on this season. He's one of the greatest heroes of all time you know and it's like he's not a strategist but he's just a nice dude and, and you can tell yeah. that you know just by watching him you can tell he's a really nice nice guy you know like yes he's not you know george level entertaining of strategy and stuff but sometimes it's nice having a break from the georges of the world to see what tarzan is up to here and there like what good is he doing is he saving tessa with an idol is he going out of his way for his tribe like it's just nice seeing that difference if that makes sense yeah i mean so listen, you, you can you can get it right with recruits you can get it right like matt rogers is a great example of someone that i don't think watched survivor before they recruited him but he came on and had a national a natural knack for the game and he was a good showman as well so you can get good recruits onto the show it's just they're few and far between and i feel like a lot of the times you end up with a lot of duds if you put a, a great game player such as george in the season with some duds he's going to run circles around them and that is why um i think you know tom sort of says here maybe 75 percent applicants 25 percent recruits 
I mean, I, I could even go with, say, 70 or 30 or something. You know, it's fine. We need a couple of recruits in there. I agree because, you know, some of the best players we've seen in the history of the show have been recruits. Like, Coach, I'm pretty sure, didn't apply for the show. Philip Shepard probably didn't apply for the show. So you get these big characters, larger than life, and they get on there and they're absolutely amazing to watch. So I, I do want to see that as well. It's just we need to change the trend. And I also want to see a trend change with bringing back returning players season after season because who are they going to go to next is steven bradbury going to be on the island next season Coda? yes <laughs> yeah mucky's mucky wants that that's for sure hey one of australia's greatest athletes winter olympic gold medalist by the way we'll keep so put some respect on the bradbury name <laughs> <laughs> hey i think he could have been he was an interesting cat I think it could have been fun if he somehow got deeper into the game because one thing he wouldn't have been is boring. That's for sure. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I heard, I heard in Luke's deep dive that on the episode that he got voted out, he pretended to play an idol, but he gave JLP his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, Velvet uh, says Courtney is the best recruit for personality alone. I didn't know that Courtney. Oh yeah, Courtney was oh. a uh, recruit because I remember hearing her interview she got approached by i think it was um was it liz spillman who was the previous um casting director in the u.s and she approached her at a bar that she was like waitering at and asked her to come and play the show and that was her story like it was a really good interview if you haven't heard it before i think it's one of those deep dives that um t-bird does talking with t-bird on rob as a podcast go and check it out it was a good it was a really good interview um, we've got Diggs back in the live from Twitch. Welcome to the live stream. Uh, Tom's saying, yeah, Philip Shepard didn't apply. Apparently he was roller skating and one of the casting directors for the US approached him because he looked like that interesting of a person. Well, how could he have been an FBI agent if he was attracting attention to himself like that, Kahuna? He needs to look, go back to Quantico, man. When he's, maybe he's very good at being an FBI agent. But once those roller skates get on his feet, he cannot hide <laughs> the inner like roller demon that just comes out of Philip Shepard. I can imagine I, I, him just doing that do, the, should the we, walk on skates and doing the whole thing. Should we see a Brianna Goodchild versus Philip Shepard showdown for so wasn't she into roller derby? If yeah, I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah. I, I did just gotta say, you know, while we're on the topic of FBI agents, you know, I feel like the key strategy of being a good FBI agent is not as having no one like believe you're an agent. So Philip Shepard walking around going, I'm an FBI agent, I'm an FBI agent. Nobody believed him, right? That's a key strategy. You know, he's telling them the truth, but no one's <laughs> believing him. He's the best spy you could ever have, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, it's like playing that 4D chess with everybody out there on the island. Exactly. All right, let's, let's all look at what else happened actually on these two episodes. I feel like it's it was George heavy for both of the episodes, really. Um, obviously, we do get that second immunity challenge. Uh, the first one went Matt's way, which made him, I think, too short of the Australian Survivor record, which is five immunity wins, um, helped by, I think, a few people out there he now lost the second one because liz does end up winning this immunity challenge which uh, gets her up there as well when it comes to the numbers because liz does throw some shade matt's way at tribal council saying that he's a threat 
about because he's been winning some immunity challenge and Matt throws it right back at us saying, well, you're winning them as well. So it's not like I'm the only one out here that could potentially win it going into the end game. Do you think there is any chance in how we see both Liz and Matt in a final three mucky at this stage? Or is the best move for both of them to take each other out before they get to a final three? I do think it comes down to who wins immunity. I can definitely see if Liz wins immunity, if it's like, um, yeah, I can definitely see George maybe going up against Fire against Jerry, if George can convince Liz to vote with them. Because obviously Matt and Jerry aren't going to break. I mean, there's a possibility Jerry could break from Matt, but I highly doubt it. So I can definitely see maybe George going up against Jerry in a Fire making, or even a Liz and Matt going up against Fire making. But I feel like one way or another, potentially George has to go up and Fire next round to, to survive, I think. I think this is best chance. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. think Liz or Matt like could be in the final three unless George is taken out of the final four. Yeah, I think it would be one of the final endurance challenges for the ages. If we do see Matt and Liz both in a final three going up against each other head to head, because I do think they both have it in them to be out there for quite a long time. But they do do these really torturous devices when they get into this last endurance challenge which you know kahuna i'm looking forward to the family visit because we know that the family visit happens as soon as they go into the final immunity every season uh what do you think about the fact that they bring them in so late in the game to see their loved ones as they're being put through the paces to get into the final tribal council do you like that or would you rather see family visits sooner in the season so more people could celebrate um getting to that point in the game yeah, I, I, I understand why they do it. I like the fact that it, it, they think that it builds more of the emotion for that final by, by having the, the family there and, and hearing the story and you see them when they're freaking 40-something days in, they're, they're emotional, they're tired, and they see their family. You're going to get more of those tears. You're going to get more of that emotion on screen, which is why. But you're right. Like It feels like it's such – you could have that for many more people and maybe – the stories that you, when you've got eight or nine people to pick from or however many you choose, then maybe the stories for TV might get, you know, you could get a Johnny Fairplay talking about his grandma. You can get, you know, maybe a, a, an, another, like, I don't know, like a pregnancy announcement or you can get other stuff happen when you just have more chances, the law of averages increase, that you can pull some really good TV out of it. So they want it for TV, um, but they're cutting themselves short a little bit by maybe missing some opportunities, I think. Talking about Johnny Fairplay, um, and all great points, we'll jump into that in a second. Did you see the post that he put on Instagram this week um, about him, Sandra, and a very young Nina all posing together oh, after yeah. the first season that Sandra was on and that she won? I thought it was so awesome to see a young, uh, young Nina out there with Johnny Fairplay, Uncle Fairplay, and Sandra. And it's so heartwarming to see that, you know, Johnny on the show is a dick right but he seems to be a really cool guy like outside of the show he seems to be like okay i've heard some some dodgy stuff as well about him but i think it was just him in his prime you know being a boy being a young man but i think he's a good guy at heart you know putting that out there was pretty cool to see that you know sandra and johnny fairplay they're rivals in the game but outside of it, it looks like they they've had this close relationship for years yeah Which I no, thought it was just really cool you know, it's also like one thing that I do love seeing is like seeing other survivor players and even survivor rivals even still become like really close mates. Like seeing like Boston Rob and Poverty, for example, you know, they were at it for a long time 
in heroes versus villains and then it wins at war they're the first alliance to be made you know it's, it's just cool to see those interpersonal dynamics and like old rivals becoming close friends again it's really cool yeah danny asking if you didn't get uh and you know it's so cute in this picture right um chadu's asking did he get banned from survivor I don't think so. At one point, people were saying he was potentially blacklisted. But if you listen to his interviews that he's done about um, fans versus favorites the season that he went back, he had some medical... Like, he he should have never said yes to that season because he had some medical stuff going on. And then he broke his jaw, fractured his jaw um, because Yao Man, you know, um, went for the idol with him on that season and ended up, I think, hitting him with his elbow as he was running for it. And because of all of the stuff that was happening, the pain he was in, being off medication, because he had issues going into that season, um, he ended up quitting that a lot of people said, you know, he didn't fight that season. But I, I would want to see Johnny Fairplay go back and get one more chance. I think he's a forgotten villain of the show. And I do think if he plays the game again, it would be fun and it would be hilarious. And he will give you entertaining TV. Like, we don't get villains in Survivor US anymore. So I, I'm, I'm all for having a villain come back, you know? They're all lovable at the moment, which is my issue. Like, I, it's weird saying that I don't like that everybody's lovable, but can we get one person that's like a villain out there? At least, Kona. You need, you need the contrast, right? The, it's good versus evil. It's the classic sort of thing. And having people to actually have that friction and go up against each other um, makes a great television. And we're seeing that this season with George versus Simon and you had maybe not hear it because everyone, George is the anti-hero. Like he's a villain, but everyone still loves him. So you had uh, the King versus the Queen and Simon versus George and you have all these rivals at rivalries and it's what the US kind of lacks, I think, in comparison sometimes. Mm. Um, we've got... Shauna asking, and, and I'll get both of you to answer this as well. She's asking, what would you want the next Australian Survivor season to be? Now, we know that Australian Survivor loves grabbing themes from the US show and then having it on Australian Survivor. They're running out of themes pretty soon. But one of the forgotten themes, one that I actually really enjoyed back in the day, not because the season itself was necessarily amazing, but it did make for interesting TV because we got people from different backgrounds playing the show. And that's another issue that I have with the US casting. They sometimes choose too many people with the same outlook in life, which I know for Australian Survivor, that's not a problem. That's why you had Rogue and Paige on the same tribe because they have opposing views. So they'll put them on the same tribe, which is casting gold. Now, what I would like to see for Australian Survivor next season is blue collar versus white collar versus no collar kahuna so let's get that theme back out there so we can get the corporates going up against the people that roll up their sleeves and make it happen versus those that don't know what the hell they're doing out there kuna i don't know did you like that theme? you really liked it genuinely i actually do i actually do from a from a concept of having people with different backgrounds on the show i do like it i i do think we can pick it up again plus i'm a big mike holloway fan I, I I really yeah. respect the way you won that season. I know a lot of people are down on it because of the fact that he won so many immunities. But I think at a base level, having people with different backgrounds that are from different factions, maybe, you know, you keep them for one or two or three votes and then you do have those swaps to get the white collars with the blue collars and the no collars. But at least you've got people with different mindsets and different outlooks on life that are forced to work together. That was the magic source that made Survivor great when the show started, was that we had a Rudy and we had uh, a Richard Hatch out there on the island that was so different. Rudy was from the army. He was more blue-collar, hard-nosed, and Richard was the corporate sales trainer. 
that was out there and he was gay as well and they had to find a way to work together and i feel like sometimes we miss that magic source so i do think that that concept could be fun to watch is that not jerry and george <laughs> yeah kind of it kind of is uh, but, yeah. but i don't know how jerry jerry comes across as quite and i could be wrong but he comes across as quite liberal and his way of thinking he doesn't come across as this uh more conservative yeah, older person like rudy was like i don't think he's got military background or anything like that i would almost say that's simon and george this season you know that would be more traditional to me and why they probably clashed a little bit in the beginning as well but i think that's a theme that could work mucky um Maki, what theme would you like to see on Australian Survivor? Um, I would love to hear Edge of Extinction on Australian Survivor. I really would. Yeah, because we haven't like, ever seen it, right? Yeah, I feel We've like you could easily... <laughs> I, I, I feel like though, that you could use up all of your non-elimination episodes just on the Edge of Extinction alone. Do you get what I mean? Um, an idea I have thought of in my head is that, you know, what if you had just an episode on edge of extinction where during that time you do have the challenges for the advantages to get back into into the game or you find an extra vote that you've got to give to like a random player still left in the game or something you know but i do think what if maybe we had like an episode on edge of extinction where as if like there was still a tribe and that without them expecting it at a random point they'd have to vote one person off because you know we do have scenes like rain for example you know just shouting her head off at everyone but you still need to bring in that sort of social dynamics when everything is stripped to your core, as well as a chance to get back in the game. So I feel like in terms of non-elimination episodes, just use that on an Edge of Extinction. And I feel like I'm still Edge of Extinction will never, ever be something that I would want to see on my screen. Like if we had to choose between Edge and Redemption Island, I agree with everybody on the live that is saying Redemption Island. Definitely, because Redemption Island, at least, they have to go head-to-head -head every single episode. So there is a benefit and staying in the game longer so that you can come back plus with edge of extinction it's flawed to the core because you can have somebody come back at final five you know give give them an idol get back in the game survive two votes and guess what you've spent all your time with the jury villa on edge of extinction bonding with them over the fact that you're out there and you all got betrayed by the same person you got outvoted so it's an unfair advantage it makes the game unfair to have someone on the edge strategize with them because you know only one person's going to go back and then you've got this brotherhood or sisterhood with this person that is getting back in the game who just has to survive two rounds to win the bloody show so edge of extinction worst idea that survivors ever thought of like there, there's nothing worse than edge of extinction and we all need to um accept that worse. kahuna i got one that's worse are we going there cook islands <laughs> cook, cook islands, islands. Well, what was the uh, ah yes the the racially divided tribe <laughs> the, the race the racial the racial division oh my gosh <laughs> no no let's keep let's keep that away from australian survivor as long as we can i don't want to see that theme on Australia. so what's your serious choice kuna what's your serious choice um, if you could choose a theme? i don't know man like I've always felt like a little bit like the themes were a bit of a reach because once you got the players in there, the personalities always overtook. Like the one that always like sat sour in my mouth was um, Brains versus Beauty versus Brawn, right? Mm. Because I was always like, and we see it now, like even this season on Heroes versus Villains, the, the sheer physical um, uh, difference between the two teams. I remember with Brains versus Beauty versus Brawn going, like I get that these dudes are Brawn, 
But there's nothing that says that yeah, bring back your guy exactly. Um, there's nothing that says that brawn people can't also be smart, right? But so I was almost like these these labels can be so loose and uh, and like you shoehorn them in, and if you squint, maybe they're a no collar, but they've got a, this job that doesn't. You know what I mean? I always find it hard to make people fit into boxes when you just get them out there and play the game. Like the last few seasons of US has been no themes, right? It's just number 41, 42. Do you think that's been pretty good? Like without themes, you can still have different twists. You can still have different the themes. themes. You miss the I themes? I miss the All themes. Right. Personally, I can't I pick the one then. Because, because for me personally, every single season in the US now, if we are on season 62, I'm not going to remember what 43 was about because there was no theme that's to true. so like in my mind i can't think like yeah. now if i think back about early theme seasons like david versus goliath probably not a good one to bring up with all the controversy that's been going on this week but you know i can remember david versus goliath because of the theme and the fact that you know david david rickerback was uh he was the david going into that versus the goliaths and mike white you know and angelina and you know that to me was something that I think it gives us a point of reference when we look back at the seasons. I get what you're saying. Sometimes they're rich and they put people in boxes and they're like, they're not quite that. But I don't mind that they go outside of that box because no one is 100% who you think they are. You know, that's the issue that Mike White struggled, uh, not Mike White, Mike Turner struggled with. And we spoke about that on the Survivor 44 recap we did last week for episode three, that people wanted to put him in this box because of how he looks. But he knew he was more than that. But that's half of the fun. Tony being a brawn, but then ended up being the biggest brain out there and being street smart was entertaining to watch, you know? So I, I like seeing themes personally. I don't know what people in the um, what the, the life, what they're thinking. Will sort of agrees with it here as well. Says themes do help you remember stuff better. That's true, um, yeah. Christina says, Cook Island was my favorite season. It was a great season. Um, and I think that, Cook Island might have been the first one where they had Exile Island on it as well, unless there was one before that, but I feel like it might have been Cook Island. Was there a season before that? Panama? I feel like it was the first one. Panama is Exile Island, right? And that was just before yeah. Cook Island. Okay. Man, those yeah. early seasons um, catch me up sometimes. But yeah, I think it's the theme with having racially divided tribes. I don't want to see that. I don't think that's... Personally, I don't think it's entertaining for me to see them racially divide tribes when they're playing the game against each other because that just encourages stereotypes. Like, imagine if you see um, the, the Asian tribe go out there and they're consistently beating everybody in puzzles. And then it continues to put out that hype that all Asian kids are geniuses. And, you know, the next time Paul Benjamin wants to go back and play Australian Survivor in an all-star season, he's again sneaky. And they want to vote him out early again because the Asian tribe in the previous season won all the puzzles, you know. Or you get... Um, the the African American or Australian American uh, Australian African tribe go out there and do bad at swimming challenges, and that then ends up like being another stereotype. What I mean, and I just don't like that. It just leaves things open for controversy. The white people mind. could have a head start. The white team <laughs> oh, yeah. a head start. Just... Give, give them. <laughs> give them... <laughs> what was that? Oh, what was that twist that they did on? Um... Was it Nicaragua where they had like the the medallion that would give you advantages and like you you oh, yeah. an advantage for the worst another another bad <laughs> twist not worst but another bad twist um, yeah Tom Tom McPherson says Panama was that one um, another one is males versus females format we haven't seen that in a very very long time actually uh, I never was a fan personally of males versus female seasons I don't know how you guys feel about that. 
Um, How many were there? Uh, there was only one, wasn't there? Two, I think. Two. Um, Amazon uh, yeah, and Vanuatu. Oh, and uh, yeah. One World. And One World, so three. Three, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and think... funny enough, and funny enough, all three of those seasons were very good. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe we should do maybe we should do another one actually. Um, I think for Australian Survivor it would be extremely tough because all the challenges are so physical. Like there was a scene in um, uh, in one of the challenges of Survivor New Zealand season two Thailand. There was a reward challenge, but one tribe mostly had males and the other tribe had females. And it was the one where you had to tie yourself around a pole, but people had to try like drag you out and stuff. And the tribe with basically majority of the men. We're dragging like a poor girl like down in the mud and stuff and they're just like no you're not not to stop the challenge we'll forfeit you win because there's something a bit wrong about that you know which i definitely think a male versus female season wouldn't really work in australian survivor just because how physical and like how many like wrestling challenges there are like yeah it probably won't be that great challenge wise but it's definitely an interesting thing in general though yeah Velvet's saying yeah, the same yeah, thing here, exactly. saying Australian survivors so physical and they tend to cast very athletic males, so it might be harder for women for a woman tribe to compete in such a one. Um, and then Marcus is saying one more was shit, Chris, apart from Kim. Yeah, that's fair. I guess um you know, Kim I for me, one of the things for, for me, I didn't enjoy watching like I won't go back and watch One World again very soon, but I do appreciate a good win and somebody just dominating a show. I can appreciate that, even though I do agree. Sometimes when somebody dominates a season such as she did, um, you know, when Troy Zan went home, I think from that point onwards, there was like no counter to Kim just running the season. Um, but I did like seeing Troy Zan lose his mind a little bit. That was the more fun Troy Zan compared to Game Changers when he came back and was a complete dud after that um gabe says australian survival battle of the sexes yeah i mean we just sort of mentioned there could be some issues and really asked bring back that outcast twist from sandra's first season i'm not a fan of the outcast I, i'm not firstly i'll just put it out there i don't like any theme where somebody when they torch the snuff they're still in the game but the outcast twist is especially unfair because they went to a hotel to go eat proper food and get nutrition to come back stronger they weren't even on an island somewhere being deprived of food so they had all this you know extra sustenance that they could use coming back in the game so it really just made it very unfair in my mind um christina says one was awful never rewatched i've never rewatched it either um one was obvious win 100 i think it would only work if they put in more endurance challenges to make it more fair or more puzzles more body weight related you know like power to body ratio type of challenges like for instance that one where you've got to go up the pole and hold on to it that's traditionally something where women do really well they can they can bring in some equalizers for sure danny's saying no no outcast just bringing back a whole tribe that was just wrong marcus evans pre-merge versus post-merge but after we have a few seasons of newbies yeah i think that could be fun outcasts could be a re uh, return of the outcast could be a fun season to watch chris i'm watching pearl islands and they only had beans and rice Okay, yeah. Um, Gabe Bruce says Australian Survivor Return of the Outcast. Yeah, I, I, I like Return of the Outcast. It was a really good original theme that they brought in, a really good twist. Uh, let's get into the points here because last week I didn't do it, um, but I did catch uh, up on the points. Uh, Maki might not want to hear 
where I, we're sitting at. But, I think we should discuss more themes for another like, half an hour or so. <laughs> like, listen, one of the things you need to know, one of the things you need to understand, Maki, for when we do a draft again is that decisions have consequences. And you will never <laughs> learn that if we didn't go through this right now. So currently Maki has got Lone Soldier, Jerry and his team going into oh, the man. end game. Um, and I've got three players left in the game, and George, Liz, and Matt uh, going into this final round. George has had a record amount of confessionals. No one has even gotten close to the amount of confessionals that he's had this season. Uh, he's sitting at 144 confessionals in total, which I believe is about, I think David was about 100. Somebody in the life might know was about 120 for the whole season when he played and won. So, you know, George is just smashing it at this stage. Um, so due to him being on that many confessionals, he's the top player currently still in the game at 187 points, followed in second place by Matt at 139.5 points. And then third is Liz. So I've got all top three players for points. Uh, she's sitting at 127.5. And then Jerry is sitting at 103.5 points in the game. Uh, Jerry's only had 20 confessionals this whole season by the looks of it. Um, so not that much. It's not big hope for you going into this final round. We have got a point difference of nearly 400, I think, almost between us. It's, I'm sitting at 1,181. On, and you're sitting at 875. So I think mathematically, I didn't come into this doing the, the math, but I feel like it's impossible for you to win at this point. Well, hey, hey, you know, like you said, you haven't done the maths yet, right? Don't get too cocky. You know, we all think I made bad decisions, but you, my friend, you're going to live by the consequences of your own actions, you know, by by picking the all stars. You know, just wait. Jerry's going to win two immunities. He's got to win a unanimous 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 vote. It's going to be fan favorite. Everything. Big dolphins. No. Just keep him. Keep him a check. Pick him. Keep him. Hey, keep him a check. Hey, I'm sorry. But yeah. Mucky's the Simon of fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is the Simon of Fantasy. <laughs> this has been going wrong all the way from as soon as he picked Stevie as his number one male draft pick, I knew I should have had Kahuna on that draft to at least give me a little bit of competition. Because Kahuna, I haven't watched the latest episode for Survivor 44 yet. I'll watch it after this. Um, but going into this one, episode three, three episodes in, you haven't lost the person yet. And both yeah. myself, I'm down two, and Jake is down, I think, one or two as I actually he's down two as well. You're the only person still with a full team intact there. So you're for those there. that are following that as well. You're, yeah, so you're dominating at that one, mm. at least. All right. Well, is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about for this week? Um, I feel like we spoke about all the hot topics. Uh, there wasn't that much going on outside of George's decisions. Um, Matt didn't really get much from him this week. Jerry, admiration for his mentor in the game. Nina came so close, but yet didn't get there. Would you guys like to see Nina come back and play again? Did you see enough of Nina Kahuna, or do you think she could be entertaining for a third timeout? Um, I mean, she's got name brand recognition no matter what, right? But I think this season she's kind of built her own name a little bit. And she, I don't think she's playing a game where I'm like, oh, my God, so amazing. We have to have Nina back. She's a mm. great, great character. But I certainly like her. I think she's been a good character and played the game well um, and certainly above the average, if you will. But to the point where I'm like, bring her back every single season, import from a US Survivor. Like, no, I, I don't know. Um, but she's great. I love her as a person. But 
is she like a game changer for the show? Not necessarily, I don't think. I tell you what, one person who is a game changer is Simon Mucky because, you know, he showed us the way of getting everything wrong and getting into the top six. Potentially could have been a top five situation if things turn out a little bit differently with Survivor Isolation. Do you endorse Andre Lee's message here for Simon being a third-time player? I do think out of everyone on this cast, he's most likely to come back next. I think George probably won't come back for a while. Hayley won't come back for a while. Nina won't come back for a while. But I think Simon the stepping like mm. on the top radar to come back you know i, I saw a movie recently. do you think I've he comes it. back in a captain season do you think he'll that they'll they'll finally give him his team and bring him back as a captain of the tribe yeah yeah yeah. and they'll, they'll add in like a redemption island to it as well and so <laughs> now nah, um I, I saw a movie the other day and i forgot what quote it was but it's like you know and like i know i'm doing something right but i don't know what i'm doing so I'll just keep doing stuff until, like, something else happens. I feel like that's been Simon this season. He keeps on doing stuff. It's wrong, but it's technically right because he keeps getting further and further in the game. So, like, it's quite funny how he had an implicit immunity for so many rounds from a fake idol. You get what I mean? Like, they were so worried, um, like, about him, you know, potentially saving Stevie that they blindsided Fraser, you know, like, technically him, Jordy, and Liz were all immune in that swapped tribal, you know, and only until he gave it to Flick, that's when he was, that's when everything sort of came down for him. But can you imagine, like, him just walking around, everyone's like, oh, God, be careful, here's an idol. But it's fake. Yeah. yeah. Well, plus, you know, if, if you get this Survivor crossover season and you've got somebody coming out there with the Boston Rob hat, the Houston Astros hat, and the other tribe, you know, you're going to have to have snuffed out there. You're going to have to have the snuff, exactly. you know, come out on the island as well to compete. So uh, I can see that happening. Um, Gabe says, Oh, yeah, Simon's coming back, I imagine, for a third time. Velvet says, Bring back some older players like Craig, Tessa, and Sarah Taliki. Um, I like all three of those, so no problems there. Um, we'll say Simon, George, and Geordie for a third season. Everyone else, blah. I want to see Geordie come back, but I want to see Geordie come back after maybe a couple of years, three or four years. You know, maybe he's in a different headspace. Um, coming back, I feel like he, he came back a little bit too early, but Geordie would be entertaining. Whenever he comes back, he's going to be entertaining. So I'm not, not against that move at all. Danny says, I don't know why they would want to have Simon back. He's a fun character and a good arc, but he's horrible at strategy and made all the wrong moves. I think that's why we want to see him back. Like, can he finally get it right? If he goes out for a third time, has he learned something? You know, that's what we want to see. Gabe says, Sarah from season two, fans keep wanting back since forever. I have a feeling Sarah's done with Survivor because I heard she was asked for All-Stars and said no. So I don't know if she will come back or want to come back. She just seems to have a good life. And also, whenever I see her Instagram and the stuff, she, she doesn't hang around a lot of Survivors. She's got like her own circle of friends she hangs with outside of the game. So I don't know if she'll come back. Um, Wall says, I forgot Haley. Also, yeah, I think Haley is done. I really think Haley will only come back if there's like a really big season, like a Worlds Collide, or if there's like a, um, a winners at war type of season. She, she's back winners versus runner-ups, something like that potentially, you know, she might come back. Velvet saying, honestly, I would like Sam for a third time without Mark. Yeah, Sam's a good one. I think all of us like Sam. We'll yeah. definitely do some off-season content when we cover Australian Survivor. We'll talk about, you know, we could do our own cast of who should have been out on Heroes versus Villains as a first off. And then after that, we can start looking at some players that maybe should get more love who haven't come back. 
And uh, Tom bringing Brooke up again as well. Yeah, I like Brooke. Brooke would be fun to have um, on as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that would probably be... So, for me, Simon and Nina leaving this week, I think two big characters that added a lot to the season. Simon probably added the most out of those two because he was consistent from the beginning until the end. We've got the next week coming out, which is going to be the final showdown to see who's going to win this season. Everybody that have been listening to this show this season, brace yourself because I feel like it may not go the way that people would want it to go. And we know that the fandom can get very upset about things like that, but just brace yourself um, because I feel like we, if you're a George fan, if you want to see George take the crown here, um, if he gets it, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to come back here and say, damn, I saw it wrong. He, like, I've I've never doubted him in the past. I'm doubting him a little bit now, you know, but I've just got a feeling that it's not going to be an easy week for George fans, Mucky. Yeah, no, definitely not. It's going to be quite an emotional week, you know, but please, all I got to say is that, you know, I doubt anyone uh, watching this podcast uh, would actually do this, but uh, if, if we can please, you know, when Pia voted out Luke, she got, you know, so much hate for that. Sam yes. got so much hate, you know, like Simon has been, he copped a lot of hate, but sort of calmed down now. No matter what happens, just don't send any hate messages, you know. Would you like it if, like, thousands of people, you know, told you how, like, worthless and useless and horrible you are? No. So I think it's best no. if we just, even if we don't don't like the move or very upset, just give it to ourselves. Just comment it on, like, on this podcast, but don't attack or, like, yeah, yeah just don't attack any of the players, yeah. Not online. And, um, you know, I'd love to have conversations with the likes of, like, a Matt or a Jerry after the season to get an understanding of how they saw the game, why they did what they did, because we've got to remember that this is an edited show and the producers only show us what they want to show us. Um, so I'd love to get those insights. There's always more to it, but I agree with you. It's good to bring that up that, you know, if George does get blindsided this week, it is a game. And George would not want that hate to be put on anybody else out there as well. So um, keep that in mind as we go into this final week. Um, Gabe saying, don't be attack people on, it's a TV show, only love for all survivor competitors. Yes. Um, I know there's that, that mindset that people put themselves out there. So they're open game, but I just think that's a horrible way to look at it. Just think about if you were ever to be out there and play the show, would you like for that to happen to you? You know, some people are a little bit more tough to, it, you know, like, and they, they, they can ignore it, but a lot of people, the reality is they're not used to all the attention. They think they're ready for it until they go out there and then suddenly they get, like Sam had death threats last season, which is just horrible, you know, even to think about um, because of a game move that she did with Jesse, you know, and she actually did very minimal exit press because of that, which I feel like we as fans missed out on because she is a very interesting player and, a, and, a, and a, I think a really good player of the game. And um, she only did a select few um, interviews. I couldn't even get on. I got Mark on, but, you know, she didn't do more than what she was required to do. So, um, and I think a lot of that was because she needed a break from the show. But anyways, that's the end of it here for this week. Thank you for everybody that has tuned into the live here for the last hour and 15 minutes. If you got to this point and you're not subscribed yet, please consider subscribing. We really love the support. We're very much on our way to 1,720 subs. I think we're about 1,715 last time I checked. You know, as we continue to grow this channel, we can continue to bring better and better guests on because people look at us 
as somewhat reputable. You know, they, they I normally don't show them the mucky clips and his takes on Survivor. That's how we get <laughs> guests to come onto the show. But um, if you support the channel, uh, that is what we're going to continue to do is grow this channel, grow this community. We love talking to you guys weekly. And hopefully we can do some more live interviews as well where you guys can ask a few of your own questions. I've got some interview content coming up for Connor Curran, who was on the Challenge Australia. I actually pre-recorded it just before going live tonight on this one so that's just going to go back to channel 10 to have a look over it you know make sure he didn't say anything too much on there and then if it's got the green light i'll put it up on the channel he gives us a lot of behind the scenes um i guess snippets of what happened on the challenge australia there's a better understanding of what the division was within the house there's a better understanding of he was asked to go on to the world championship maybe who wasn't asked to go on to the world championship and also would connor want to play australian survivor I ask them all the questions, so make sure that you uh, tap into that, and we'll catch you guys when it's Angel Cake on. He is on this weekend. I put a, um, I think I put a, a post on to say it's 8 p.m. on Saturday evening, Eastern Standard Time. Angel Cake from The Challenge will be on to talk about Survivor this week as well with myself and Jake, so looking forward to that one. Catch you guys next time. Grab your torches, head back to camp. Bye. Bye.